Welcome to this episode of Kings and Priests. My name is Richard, and my goal is to help you to be forged into the man God has called you to be. Not a church man, but a man of God, walking out your purpose, living on mission, and impacting your home and community. So let's get started. Who is your brother? We hear the word brother everywhere we go. The guy you grew up with who has the same parents as you is called your brother. We often use the same term for an old friend or even a new friend that we just met. Even the dude down at the gym giving unsolicited advice, well, that's your gym bro. But the Bible paints a very different picture of brotherhood. So who is your brother? Well, let's start by looking at who your brother is not. One group of people that the New Testament describes is your neighbors. Who's your neighbor? Well, a young lawyer asked Jesus the same question. Jesus answered with the story of the Good Samaritan. It highlights the concept that your neighbor could be anyone, even the person you don't like. In the story of the lost sheep, the shepherd tells his friends and his neighbors about the sheep he found, because his friends and neighbors weren't necessarily the same people. You see, your neighbors are everyone around you. It doesn't matter if you like them or if they're a Christian. It doesn't matter if they look like you or sound like you. All that really matters is that Jesus said to love your neighbors. We are to be kind to them. We are to share the gospel with them. The Great Commission tells us go into all the world and preach the gospel. And our neighbors, well, they're the target audience. But our neighbors are not our brothers. You see, our brothers are the ones who like us, have committed themselves to the faith. They have disciplined themselves to the teachings of Christ. They have the same moral foundation because the Word of God is the final authority in all of our lives. The New Testament gives us many examples of how to treat our brothers. Romans 14 tells us we're responsible for our brothers. We should guard them diligently. It says we shouldn't do anything that would be a stumbling block for them. 1 John, as well as many other books in the New Testament, tells us to have brotherly love one for another, speak well of each other, or at the very least, not speak evil of them. If you speak evil of a brother, you walk in darkness. Finally, we hold our brothers to a higher standard, and we expect them to do the same for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us about this, and does a good job of delineating between my neighbor and my brother. You see, when your neighbor's living in sin, we don't judge that because, in the words of Paul, they're on the outside. But men on the inside, those are our brothers, and they're accountable to each other under the word of God. If we're truly brothers, we don't tolerate sin among our own. So do we put our brothers on blast in front of the whole world when they sinned? Well, definitely not. In fact, Jesus answered this question as well. If a brother is in sin... We go to them alone and confront them. If that brother hears you, you've gained a brother. And if not, you bring another person. If you won't hear it, bring it to the church. And if that doesn't work, you have to put him out. He isn't a brother at that point. He's just another guy, someone on the outside. Jesus compared them to tax collectors. Doing it this way combines all of the principles above. By going alone, we protect our brother. And if you go alone and he hears you, then that's the end of it. There is no stumbling block and there's no evil to speak. You can treat it as though it never happened and keep it in confidence. If you have to bring another brother and he hears you, the same is true. 
If he's brought before the church, it's not to publicly shame him, but to reconcile him, that he would renounce his sin. It shows that we don't tolerate willful sin and that we're all united against it. And finally, if that doesn't work, he is put out. Putting a man out that refuses to turn from sin, it protects the rest of the brothers. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf, after all. It's a hard thing to do, but it does all the things we've already discussed. It guards the brothers. It maintains a higher standard of godliness. And if that man changes his ways, bring him back in. After all, is that not what this was all about anyway? To help your brother? I'll give you an example from my own life. I was sitting with a brother, one that I've known for many years. I was bragging about one of my daughters. And why wouldn't I? She's a godly and delightful young woman, after all. But I ended it by saying that eventually some jerk would come along and marry her and take her away. It was meant to be a joke, but not to my brother. He stopped the conversation and asked me, Have you been praying for her husband? It was a punch in the gut, and it was well-deserved. See, I hadn't been praying for him, and I knew I should have been. My neighbor would have just laughed and joined in, but my brother wasn't having it. My brother spoke the truth to me in love. He protected me as well as my daughter. He had my back, and he held me to a higher standard. He was willing to speak into my life when I needed it, and I was open to his admonishment, because brotherhood is a two-way street. So let's go back to our original question. Who is my brother? You see, right now all we've done is define what a brother is, how he acts, and what he does, but do you have any brothers? Take a second and think about that. Does anyone come to mind? Right now our churches are full of great neighbors, and I'm not saying that they're unsaved or, as Paul put it, the ones on the outside, but do you guard each other? Do you have each other's backs? Do you have love for your brothers or do you speak evil of them? Do you tolerate it when other people do? Do we hold each other to the standard of God's word or do we use scripture out of context in order to shirk that responsibility? As men of God, we need brothers. Just as importantly, we need to be the brothers that we want in our lives. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus tells us that the disciples were his brothers. As always, he is the greatest example we could have. You see, these men did life together. In fact, they literally lived and died together. They were accountable to Christ and he to them. He admonished them when they were wrong, encouraged them when they did well, and forgave them when they repented. He didn't hold their paths over their heads, but they all moved forward together, striving towards the standards set by God's word. As men of God, we should be banding together to do the same, striving together to live holy lives with brotherly love for one another, and always there, ready to have our brothers back. So, who is your brother? Thank you for joining me on this episode of Kings and Priests. I hope today's episode challenges you and encourages you to be what God created you to be. If so, like, subscribe, and share this with other men. All the scripture reference used in today's episode can be found below. I encourage you to get into it, read it for yourself, make sure that we're rightly dividing the word of truth, and never take anyone's word for it. After all, it's your relationship with God. Take responsibility for it. My name's Richard, and we'll see you next time.